Maybe back door, maybe fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. The game may be over, but they are just getting started. Raw and unfiltered, this is the OU Insider staff, and this is the Under the Visor postgame podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. Rat poison! Rat poison! Rat well, poison! <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We, we had another podcast that we were doing, and my computer decided to restart. So here we are after Oklahoma beat Nebraska in the 50th anniversary of the 1971 game of the century, where Nebraska ironically won 35 31. This time around, Oklahoma won 23-16. to 16. Georgia just threw an interception, and now South Carolina is going down to try to get within four points. It's amazing that all these teams are struggling against all these lowly teams that aren't supposed to be playing with these top five programs, right? It's not just Oklahoma, folks. It's not just Oklahoma. Yes, Florida was a top 11 team. I think they were ranked 11th. But didn't Alabama, I want to, I need to go to the box score and look because I'm pretty positive Alabama was up 21 uh, to nothing. I would have to check that. Um, but I, I just have to say that. I I think Oklahoma fans need to, you know, relax. It's all going to be okay. On the previous podcast, I went through my reasoning why I think it's all going to be okay in the end. Obviously, I think overall, we can, we're going to talk about Spencer Rattler. We're going to talk about the issues Oklahoma have. But if I hear another person tell me, they don't like the defense at Oklahoma. I might lose my mind, Parker. I might lose my mind because at what point do OU fans need to realize they've been begging for this type of defense. And now that they have a good defense, it's not good enough. Why? Why? Five sacks an interception. Didn't even give up 400 yards of total offense, which is the gold standard of if you're playing good football or not on the defensive side of the ball in today's college football. Yes, the days of yesteryear in 1980s. 
they would be like what? 250, 300 yards was a lot. In today's world, it's 400 or less, three between 300 and 400 yards. You're doing a freaking good job. Parker, help me here. Help a brother out, man. Oh, boy. All right, let's get into this. So there are concerns with this Oklahoma football team. We will voice those concerns here momentarily. Yes, there is. 100%. Believe me, we are on the same page as many of you. However, let us not neglect the fact that, A, Oklahoma's defense played really well today. There was a lot of good, despite a lot of bad. DJ Graham made maybe the most acrobatic football play you will ever see. The run defense held Nebraska to 2.5 yards per carry. The Sooners pass rush recorded five sacks. And you saw several guys, Deshaun White, Patrick Fields, particularly Nick Benito as well, play with a little fire under their belly. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of good today for the Sooners. And I don't want that to get lost in all of the very deserved disappointment because this team has not lived up to expectations over the first three games of conference play. However, I will remind everyone out there, and I tweeted it earlier, but I'll go back to it. This Sooners team played just as bad, if not worse, over the first three games of last season. They went one and two in those three games. Mm -hmm. And all they did thereafter was win their final eight contests and close out the year with a 55 to 20 shellacking of Florida in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Oklahoma is 3 and 0 today. That is still a zero in the loss column. And yes, it has not been excellent football on any level for the Sooners against Tulane and against Nebraska. There were mistakes, there were imperfections, there are a lot of concerns and we'll break them all down. But at the end of the day, this football team is in a much better spot than they were last year after three games. And last season was far from a disappointment. Well, I shouldn't say that. When the expectations of the college football playoff, most folks were probably a little bit disappointed with how last season turned out. But the Sooners still yeah. went and won a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Yeah. They did everything they could have done and more over the last eight games of the regular season. So you just hope that the Sooners learn their lesson as they did last year from non-conference play, take their lessons from these three games and carry them over into what you would expect would be a seventh consecutive title run through the big 12. It's not going to be easy. Believe me, it will not be easy. The big 12 has some good football teams and one of them's coming to town next Saturday in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is three and oh, they are you sure is a win is a win. I, I don't know, man. That's not what I, I read. Am, on I am not insider. panicking. I have I concerns. I am not panicking. Our members tell us completely different. They tell us all hell is broken loose. And OU is not going to win another ball game from the way they're playing. That's what I read. Okay. To be fair. Oklahoma cannot play like they did today and beat many teams in the Big 12. So there's going to need to be a little bit of a rebound and a step up. So but they're capable of it. Right. Okay. So look, I want, I want to preface this by saying, members, I love you. I really do. I 
we couldn't be aboard without you guys. You guys are the heart and soul. I love bantering with you. But for all that is good and holy, some of y'all might be the most negative human beings I've ever met in my life. And it's okay. You're fanatics. You're supposed to be crazy and irrational. But it's driving me crazy, man. Like, I can't. I, Parker, I can't. I can't do it, man. Like, I'm, I'm totally joking, by the way. It's just. What is, what, I, I was about to say, what is this voice? What are we going for here? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to act like I'm I'm, I'm in distress. Uh, but I. I I guess my point is, is like, I see everybody's reaction. Oh, did you get the whole memo about them erecting the statue of the Selman brothers? Yes. I totally missed that today. Yes. I just read about the scroll. I just read the scroll. Yeah. Did you catch the fact that Tanner Mordecai just threw a Hail Mary with no time left to win the first annual Lincoln Riley Portal Bowl? How about that? I, I, I did, but I was going to get at that after my, my rant, but the, 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 the Selma thing, I apologize folks. It was like, I saw bright lights and I was just flashing everywhere. And I, I, I just, I got distracted like a cat. I'm like chasing it on the ground here. When I read the whole, that shows you where my focus was today. It was completely in the game and I wasn't paying any attention to anything else. Um, so what I was saying was the fans on the board and, and the fans on Twitter, I, I the, the same thing. They're they're going after everybody and everything, and it's almost as if OU's not winning, and that everybody else in college football aren't playing close games. When I just watch Alabama blow a twenty-one to three lead, and almost lose the ball game to Florida, it's almost as if. As you said on the previous podcast, the other team comes to competitively compete and win. It's a crazy way of thinking, Parker. But it's almost like Nebraska has some athletes on their team and can play football too. It's weird. Because I watched Nebraska beat Buffalo 28 to 3. That same Buffalo team goes to Coastal Carolina and about beats Coastal Carolina. Which is what I think Coastal Carolina is what top 20, top 15? What do they rank? Top 20. Yep. Top 20. Weird how that's happening. And I know comparing game by game, that's really all we have right now in the first three weeks is this person versus this, this team versus that, that type of deal. I I don't know, man. Like, I'm just, I feel like we try to be rational about things. And then we call, I got called a Homer. I got called overly positive. And I'm like, dude, I just, we had a podcast two weeks ago where Parker and I just lit into the OU program after the two lane game. It's hard for me to light into Oklahoma as a whole, when the defense plays as well as it did, I'll light in on the offense. I'm not going to light in on the defense. Is that fair? Yeah, and you shouldn't because the defense was the reason they won the football game today. Oklahoma hadn't scored. Like the last time Oklahoma scored fewer than 24 points in a game was the season opener in 2016. They lost that game. 
Brandon, I mentioned this, and I I was asking was Houston, the players by the way, exactly, and I was asking the players about this in post game pressers. I said, look, you got to be pretty encouraged by the effort you're getting from your defense because, and this is word for word what I said. I said three years ago, twenty three points would not have been enough to win a football game at the University of Oklahoma, and the fact that it was today is an enormous testament to just how far this unit has come under Alex mm-hmm. Grinch. No, that is you, you hit the nail on the head. And that's something we've tried to, I guess, echo on OU insider VIP board. And it goes on deaf ears with some of these people. Like it's almost as if you win the ball game and it's never going to be good enough. I, I don't know what more we can say. I think right now we're pumping up the defense and they deserve it because Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Perrin Winfrey, Jalen Redman, um, uh, Corey Roberson, Jordan Kelly, Josh Ellison, Isaiah Coe, Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, uh, Marcus Stripling, Caleb Kelly, they all played really, really, really well on that front. And I got to give it up to Deshaun White, David DeWagbu. Somebody tried to tell me the linebackers played bad today. And I'm like, what in the living crap did y'all watch? Seriously, linebackers and safeties didn't play well. And I'm going, holy crap, Pat Fields made two first down saving tackles. And then he also made two tackles behind the line of scrimmage and back-to-back run plays where he did his run fit perfectly to a tee and caused Nebraska to miss a field goal. They got the ball, drove down, and they couldn't, they 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 missed two field goals. Mind you, those two field goals, no, it wouldn't have made that big of a difference because they blocked another and whatnot. But I just I don't know, man. Like I think we should just start going in on the offense because I think that's where the problem is. So Parker, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's go in. Spencer Rattler. <laughs> start with Spencer Rattler. <laughs> and you can probably end right there. And Spencer Rattler is not playing like a quarterback who is capable of winning a Heisman Trophy or a natural or a national championship. I want. He is not it. playing poorly. Let's get that clear. Spencer Rattler has not been bad. His decision-making has been atrocious at times as evidenced by the fact that Mario Williams literally playing defensive back saved him two ugly interceptions today. So I'll acknowledge maybe Spencer Rattler has been worse than the stat lines have indicated, but that's not, that's not what I'm here to dispute. If the Sooners are to win a national championship, if Spencer Rattler is to validate the preseason hype that he was receiving, as the Heisman trophy favorite, that dude has got to come out and prove something because we have seen three pedestrian performances. And I know he threw for five touchdowns last week. It was Western Carolina. Okay. To this point in the season, Spencer Rattler has been thoroughly pedestrian. And you know what, Brandon, I want to say something. It's probably going to be controversial. It's going to rub some people the wrong way, mm-hmm. but everybody on our it. board, right. Everybody on our board right now wants to know 
why this Oklahoma offense looks so milk toast. Right? They want to know why Oklahoma is just seemingly unspectacular on offense because that's what we're accustomed to at the University of Oklahoma is spectacular mm-hmm. offense. And people are rightfully wondering what happened to that. And I'll tell you what, Brandon, here's what it comes down to. What Oklahoma does not have that they have had in years past when they own some of the most prolific offenses in the history of college football is they do not have a mobile quarterback. They do not have a quarterback who is an actual threat on the ground because a read option right now is not a read option with Spencer Rattler. It's not. He is handing the ball to Kennedy Brooks or Eric Gray four times out of five. And the one time out of five, he keeps it. He's only going for five or or six yards yards tops because he doesn't have the explosiveness to get downfield the way that Jalen hurts and Kyler Murray did. And you can throw Baker Mayfield in this discussion. I know everybody says Baker Mayfield wasn't a dual threat. Yeah, but he could run. But that dude, as you go back to the Tennessee game, Brandon, Baker Mayfield's second game as a Sooner, when he scored the fourth and goal touchdown on a read option keeper. And so, no, he was not the dual threat that Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts was, but he was a guy that was willing to put the ball in his own hands and tuck it and run. Mm -hmm. That does not come naturally for Spencer Rattler. And so I am not saying that Spencer Rattler is holding this offense back. What I am saying is that Oklahoma's offense might not be ideally suited to Spencer Rattler, and they might need to retool some things to better adapt because he is a pocket passer. He is a guy who has functional mobility and will at times get outside the pocket and make a couple guys miss and make it. He throws great on the run. He throws great on the run. He does. He does. But he is not a runner. No. And Lincoln Riley's offenses have always had a quarterback who is more than capable of running the ball effectively. So what I would posit, Brandon, is that Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley need to reevaluate the way that they are running the offense, because I don't think, and I think honestly, the root of Oklahoma's offensive issues can come back to the read option. And the fact that Oklahoma cannot execute it as effectively as they have in years past because of the fact that Spencer Rattler is not a legitimate threat on the ground and teams know that they don't have to be worried about Spencer Rattler keeping it on a read option. Because like I said, if he keeps it, he's getting four yards, five yards max. Mm -hmm. So with that said, the fact that Spencer Rattler is running the exact same offense that Jalen hurts ran and that Kyler Murray ran is a little bit alarming to me. And I think it should be a little bit alarming to everyone because that's what the success of Oklahoma's offense has historically been predicated on, right? Is the success of the read option and how it sets up the intermediate and downfield passing. Yeah. And Oklahoma just doesn't have that same punch in the run game or the pass game because opposing defensive coordinators know that Spencer Rattler is not a threat. There, Look, I'm off the soapbox. No, no, and that you've made valid points. Um, I, 
first off, I have to say this van guy for South Carolina. I don't know if you just watched that catch. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then his dumb ass got a freaking uh, unsportsmanlike conduct because he stood over the Georgia DB, stared him down and started talking to him, telling him how much he just mossed him. Um, but your, your point is 100% valid. And it's not like I, I just feel like, and tell me, maybe I'm crazy here. I don't know. Does Spencer look less twitchy and less athletic than he did last year? Because when he ran those zone reads last year, I can remember it against Iowa state. I can remember it against, uh, uh, Oklahoma state. I can remember it against Florida. I can remember it against Baylor. I can remember it against, Oh, numerous, uh, several teams where he would gain 15, 20 yards Wow, I don't know how the dude just ripped the 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 helmet off of the the South Carolina QB and they didn't call a penalty. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they didn't. It's you think he's less athletic? Am I crazy I, on that? I I don't think you're crazy. He definitely okay. looks a little less. I I don't even know if I would say he's less twitchy or less athletic because I don't want to make a value judgment there, but. I will say he almost he almost looks a bit more apathetic in the pocket. Like when he makes less the decision, decisive. Yeah, he's less yeah, exactly. Decisive. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about Baylor or Baker, it because him and Baker are eerily similar as far as you know their speed straight ahead and how they move around the pocket. They're slivery. Like like Rattler can be kind of you know, slimy in the pocket to where you can't get him at times. But I think it has a lot to do with his decisiveness and his want to. Does that make sense? Like sometimes I don't know that he wants to gain or break that tackle or he just doesn't have that. I This is going to sound so bad when I say it because there's no other way to say this. There's literally no other way I can say this without it sounding bad. And I'm not trying to make it sound like he doesn't have heart because I know Rattler has so much heart, but I don't know that he has the will or want to, to be that guy in the pocket that will break tackles like Baker did against Tennessee or anybody else that was chasing him down the way he did. It looked like he was that way a little bit last year, but it almost feels like Rattler at times is trying to save himself and not be that guy that, you know, makes that miraculous play with his feet and, and gives himself more time to find, you know, Stogner down. So that Stogner plays a valid example, by the way, on that third and long where he threw it too far. I thought that, if he would have planted and just kind of moved to the side and then through instead of falling away and throwing, he would have taken a shot, but he would have completed the pass. And I don't think he would have got hit hard enough to get hurt <laughs> because the, the defender had pulled up to begin with stopped trying to figure out what Rattler was going to do. So he wasn't full steam ahead to begin with. And there's plays like that, that I, I go back on with Spencer and I'm like, 
you know, he tries to make these like flashy arm, sidearm, fading back instead of just taking the hit. Sometimes you have to take the hit. You do. It's part of playing quarterback. And I think he actively avoids it too much at times, more so than he should. And I think it costs him because that, that's the difference between having full arm strength in your throw and having 70%. And that 70%, that 30% can make it be a difference between a completion and an incompletion at times. And it can be the difference between a touchdown and an interception. Correct. Spencer missed a lot of throws today. A lot of crucial no. throws. Mm-hmm. And particularly I remember, and I remember, remember texting about it with you, Brandon, but there was a play and I want to say it was in the third quarter where Spencer Rattler had Mario Williams behind the defense, behind the secondary. If he hits oh, him stride, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a walk-in touchdown for Mario. And he underthrew him. And he underthrew a person like you said, you can't overthrow. And that's literally <laughs> what I texted you, Brandon. I said, when you know how impossible it is to overthrow a guy as fast as Mario Williams, how do you underthrow him? Uh, I, and that's that's just one example of how and I sloppy sounds like a really bad word. It's the right word though. It's, it's I think sloppy. it's the right word for how Spencer Rattler has played thus far this season. He has been sloppy. Yes. And Williams, wow, like I said, saved him on two really, really bad throws early in the game that both would have been interceptions had he had Williams literally not batted the ball down mm-hmm. away from a defender. And we, I think we're talking about a completely different ball game. If the Nebraska defense comes down with one or both of those passes. And so, yeah, the stat line would indicate today that Rattler had a pretty good game, 24, 34, 214 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown, nothing spectacular, but nothing that you would gape at and say, Oh, he played atrocious. But again, I think it's the same conversation we were having after the Tulane game, the stats are fine, not great, but fine. However, for anybody who watched the game, they know that Rattler was not nearly as impressive as that stat line, mediocre as it may have been, would indicate. No, I, no, I yes, I just, I, I, I keep, and I felt like. Lincoln got away from the quick game too too early as well. Like they use that as part of their run game a lot. And I don't know that, you know, I couldn't remember seeing a quick screen, a bubble, a smoke screen, a pop screen or anything like that until the fourth quarter. And they finally threw one to Mario Williams and he gained a first down on it. And I turned to Joey and, and I turned to uh, Ryan Chapman. And cause I was sitting right between them and, and John Hoover. And I said, what I, that's the first one I've seen in like two and a half quarters. What in the world is going on? Like they just didn't throw screens. I don't know what happened to that. That, that was like a, one of the base plays in Oklahoma's offense for years, for years. And especially right now, when you have, Mario Williams, you have Mike Woods, you have Marvin Mims, you have Drake Stoops, you got Cody Jackson. Outside of 
Drake Stoops, who is just slithery and can some he somehow finds his way to a first down every time he touches the ball. Every one of those guys I named are fast as hell. Like I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like, why are you not getting them the ball in space like that and just saying, go, we're going to block for you. Get us five or six yards. I thought Riley has gotten away from that. He hasn't done that very much this year at all. He actually opened up, if you remember correctly, against Tulane. He opens up with that. They go down the field. They score. And then you hardly see a screen pass after that. Let me say this, Brandon. Let me say this. You... The word you use there, I think, is crucial. You said, I think. And yeah. that's what we're on here for is matters of opinion. Here is one thing that is not a matter of opinion and is, in fact, objective. And that is the fact that the Sooners do not look for Marvin Mims in the offensive game plan in the second half of football games. Why they is don't. that? They don't. Why I don't is think it they that look we're good. sitting here having this conversation again? Mar- or Marvin Mims was targeted once in the second half of this football game. Why is the best receiver in a loaded arsenal of pass catchers not getting the ball thrown his way more frequently? I am going to ask Lincoln Riley that question this week, and he's probably going to hate me for it, but it's going to happen. It's being asked Lincoln. I apologize already, but I have that's a question that has to be asked because 14 games in Marvin Mims Oklahoma career he has 9 receptions in the second half. That is crazy. Okay, let me ask you this. Is did he get targeted hardly at all today or was I dreaming? I felt like he barely got targeted. They looked for him on the trick play. You remember that right. where they had yes, Mario Williams so pitch it back that. to Spencer Rattler. I knew that one. I knew that one. And it, had, could, that, had that play been like uh, Rattler waited too long to throw that ball, by the way. And he threw oh, it yeah, too he flat. Did. He threw it too flat and he didn't. Mario Williams up, made a better uh, throw on that play than Spencer Rattler did. Yeah. I mean, that's again, but yeah, Marvin Mims, it, he had two catches on three targets or no, I'm sorry. Two catches on two targets. What what was Spencer doing on that throw? If you remember correctly, he was fading once again. He was to fading. try to avoid getting touched. I know he's got the nil deals and everything, but and you you know the weird thing about it is is I don't think it's a matter of his toughness because a dude literally ran over a Nebraska player on the sideline to get a first down twice today, once inside the red zone and the other one on the plus side of the fifty. I think between the 30 and the 40 yard line. I mean, just ducked his shoulder into him to get the first down because that's what was needed to happen. Cause there were people in the press box going slide. And I was like, dude, if he slides, he doesn't get the first down. There's no point in sliding. He's like three yards short then. And he just ducked his shoulder and took the hits. So it's not a matter of toughness. I think it's a matter of in the pocket comfortability. I think he gets a little happy still and 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 his instant reaction is oh well i've been taught to fade on those i'm gonna fade and throw not thinking oh man now i don't have as much in my arm because i don't have my my hips way to get my hip you know the the torque in my hip to go and uh giving the strength to throw 
I'm a quarterback dad, man. I get here all this from his quarterback coaches all the time. It's all about the torque and the hip, man. The torque and the hip. Not the twerking, the twerking people. <laughs> the twerking and the um let's go to I think a player that has played really well the past two games and has been completely kind of I don't know, overlooked because the offense has been kind of stagnant as a whole. And I think he's played pretty well all three games, to be honest with you. And that's Eric Gray. I think Eric I think Eric Gray has been a good player for Oklahoma early on. I think he had 85 yards today. He had 94 yards the other day. And I think he started the, the season. Out. What do he have? 40, 50 yards, something like that. He had the first 27. Game? He had nine carries for 27 mm. yards. Okay. Yeah, that's game. right. So first game was a little right. bit of a dud, but he was, has stepped it up in a big way since. Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess my point is, is that and, and another player I thought that that was a big help to Oklahoma. Did you notice the run game just jump up substantially when they stuck Raymond at center? How about that? It's weird, right? Crazy. And I know there were some questions about that. He played really, really well. Um, I asked Lincoln Riley about that, too. I said, can you talk about Andrew Rain playing from the third series on as your center? And I said, take over as he took over the center. And he goes, and I know he doesn't want the media to be saying somebody took over a spot. That's for the coach to tell the players, you know, we're going to start Andrew and not Congle. But, you know, Lincoln corrected me publicly and said, I don't know if I would go take over. We're going to continue to watch those guys battle it out. It's a close battle. Yada, yada. Dude, Rame's going to be your starter next week. Who took all the snaps? Yeah, you don't pull a guy out and not reinsert him if you're confident that he's going to be your starting center going forward. That's nothing against Robert Conjol. No. It's just that Andrew Rame... You know, you hear the Creed Humphrey comparisons. He's getting those comparisons for a reason. He's a supremely talented offensive lineman who needs to be in the game frequently for Oklahoma. He deserves a starting role. What What did you think of back defensively real quick? Oklahoma's performance against Martinez as, as far as his legs. I thought it was spectacular. What do you have like 17 yards? It was or pretty like dang that? good. Like, yeah, he, he gashed the Sooners on a couple of plays, converted a couple of third downs. But for the most part, Nick Benito was tasked with spying on Martinez for much of the afternoon. They did a really, really good job containing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you look at the stat sheet. Martinez had 17 carries for 34 yards. His long was 10 yards. He did not have a rush longer than 10 yards. So the containment on Martinez was about as good as you could have asked for. And that's what Oklahoma needed to do to win this football game was contain Martinez and prevent him from breaking the game open with his legs. Because I was talking to an Oklahoma assistant on the sideline prior to the start of the game. And he said, yeah, as long as we keep him from gashing us on the ground, we're going to walk out of here with a win because I'm not going to repeat his exact words because there were a couple of words that I can't say on this podcast, but he said, <laughs> the dude can freaking toast people with his legs when given the opportunity. Uh, he, he said this was a coach that said it pregame. Yes, it was. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a couple of plays. I thought one in particular where two, actually, there was two plays in particular that I can remember more than anything else. And it was one where Nick Benito came in and thought he had him dead in his rights. And Martinez just goes, scoots up into this pocket and just takes off. And Benito's looking at him. He's going, what in the hell, man? Like you were just here. And then uh, there was one where Isaiah Thomas stunts and he stunts right at Martinez. You probably remember this because it was by the end zone down there in the South. And Martinez scoots up into the pocket and goes and gets a first down. Yep. I've actually got nobody a, there. I've, I got a picture of it. It's literally a photo of Isaiah Thomas just tearing straight for Martinez. <laughs> and then you put the, the picture doesn't tell you. It looks like in the picture, he's going to kill him. It uh, does indeed. He did Martinez not. pulled the ghost act. <laughs> took off. Now you see me. Now you don't. Um yeah, you know, he played a really, really good game. I would say if I was going to choose what quarterback played better, I'd say Martinez had a better game. And and it's probably because the expectations for Rattler are so high. And what we were told about Martinez not being able to throw the ball and then he goes out there and threw some dimes today. Shockingly, right? Like, it's and his his form is just goofy when he's rolling out and throwing. It's just you know, it's not very textbook as far as quarterback form. But he gets the ball there, and I think that's the best you can say about it. I mean, the guy, and I think he's a gamer too. I think as oh, he's absolutely rolls, a gamer, and we saw that today. Yeah, I think as the season rolls on, he's going to win them. I I'm going to profess this right now. Nebraska is going to beat a team they shouldn't beat this year. 100% is going to happen. <laughs> you say that. You're from Nebraska. I'm you, you, you I'm have, skeptical. They have not beaten a ranked team under Scott Frost. You have deep hate for Nebraska Cornhuskers. You can't. I mean, I, no I have no deep hate. <laughs> that face when you say it. It's such a lie. <laughs> it's like with me when I, people talk to me about Arkansas sometimes. I don't have deep hate for Arkansas, but I lived in Arkansas for five years. And I had some really crappy things happen to me back in the day in my early twenties. Um, I had people keep my car. I had people spit in my face. I had all, I mean, it was, I had people, I had a, I had a person walk by and spit in my food at a restaurant because we changed the channel to the OU football game. This is in 2008. I kid you not walks up, spits in my food and says, how dare you change it to the non sec crap? And I was like, what is going on? They had to come and replace my food. They kicked the person out, but I was like, it's not that serious. And we just took a TV over in the corner, but I, I, I get, I'm, my point is I get you your feeling of how you were like this person in like this nomad land where you were, you were the only person that liked this particular team while everybody else likes this other team and the particular team that you kind of have an affinity for is one that they absolutely hate, which is another reason why I love the fact that the pod could have Arkansas and Oklahoma. I know that's digressing, 
but that's just going to be a right. It's going to be an instant rivalry, like instantaneous. And it's going to be a rivalry that has needed to happen for a while. Yes. Those two schools are in too close of a geographic proximity to not be rivals. Yeah. Three hours. Like, come on, man, that needs to happen. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about West Virginia. They beat, and that's Oklahoma's upcoming game. They beat number 15, um, Virginia tech today. It was in Morgantown. West Virginia gets up, I think it was 27 to 7 at one point and almost blew the ball game. Um, Virginia Tech had a chance to come down and score. West Virginia stops them. West Virginia wins the game. Uh, they got the ball back with like a minute, minute, minute and a half, two minutes left or something like that to be able to ice the game. Um, what uh, have you watched very much of West Virginia? Like, have you seen anything of them? Like, what? No, because I mean, generally, I'm accustomed to West Virginia football not really being worth watching <laughs> because they play <laughs> they are this slow, year. they play boring. But hey, they're three and zero. They're in the same boat as Oklahoma. No, 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 no. no. They lost. They lost to Maryland. Oh, you know, I lied. I lied. They are two and one. I forgot yeah. about that loss to Maryland. Um, yeah, they lost to Maryland. They are two and one. And, but, but they did just beat the number 15 team in the country. So they're going to be coming in hot. Number one, I, I guess my overall thought is, is number one, Oklahoma's never lost to West Virginia in the big 12. Do you know that? I did know that it's the only program they haven't lost to. And something tells me. I'm not predicting a loss to Oklahoma lose or anything. I just, it's hard for me to fathom that Oklahoma gets out of big 12 conference play before they leave for the SEC without eventually taking an L that the West Virginia, it may be next year when they go out to uh, Morgantown, but it, don't you think like at some point it has something like they've won, like, what is it? When did they, was it 2000? So they will have won like 10 in a row against them if that's the case. And they've had some close games 50 to yeah. 49 in 2012, uh, 59 56 in 2018. Mm-hmm. And there have been some shootouts between those two teams 16 to 13 in uh, 2013 or 2014. Yeah, 2013. Um, that game was boring to watch, mind you. It was kind of like this game today where West Virginia came in, they pet ground and pounded Oklahoma just basically kept the ball out of Oklahoma's hands. And the game was over in like two and a half hours, just like this one, like just to, to make quick work of it. <laughs> and so, um, what, give me your game, your players of the game on offense and defense for Oklahoma today. Ooh, who am I going to go with on the offensive side? Nobody was all that spectacular, but I will say I, I feel obligated to take one of the two running backs and I don't really feel like yeah. you can credit one without the other because they complement each other so well. I'm going to give the edge to Kennedy Brooks just because I think when he touches the ball, special things happen and it opens the door for a lot more. What's the word I'm looking for here? 
just there's a lot more that Oklahoma can do offensively when Kennedy Brooks is running the ball successfully. 14 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown today. I love to see him back in the Sooner uniform, and he's been huge for this offense. And so, mm-hmm. as I look at what this offense needs to do to correct some of their issues going forward, I think they have tremendous balance 35 runs, 34 passes today. So you're right around that 50 50 split, but Kennedy Brooks needs to be getting the ball 20 times a game. If he doesn't, that's an issue in my opinion, but I'll give him the nod today over Eric gray uh, simply because I think particularly in the late stages of the game, when the Sooners needed to milk the clock, Brooks came up big. Well, okay. Defense. What did you, what do you got on defense? Defensively, man, I, I feel like it's going to be a popular pick just because he ran the two point conversion all the way back, but I got to go with Patrick fields because that was not the only big play he made on the day. And you touched on a couple of the other ones, Brandon, but he had nine tackles second only to Deshaun white and played some really good football and made some really, really crucial stops for the Sooners. And so I loved what I saw from Patrick fields. And that's a guy that through the first three games of the season, he has been outstanding. And Mm -hmm. I know there was some question heading into the season as to whether he was going to be able to hold off key Lawrence for that starting gig. Patrick Fields has not shown any indication that he is incapable of being the Sooners starting free safety for the remainder of the season. He has been really, really good. He's been a revelation for the Sooners in the secondary. So yours was your player of the game on defense with Pat Fields and not Deshaun White, correct? Or was it Deshaun White? Patrick Fields, not Deshaun White, although I will okay. say I was very tempted to take Nick Benito. Well, see, I'm going to go with Benito. Uh, I wanted to take Deshaun White. Um, Deshaun White had 10 tackles. He had a half a, half a tackle for loss. Uh, he had five solo tackles. But Nick Benito had five tackles, four tackles by himself, three tackles for loss, a QB hurry, and two sacks today. That is one hell of a stat line, bro. That's one hell of a defensive stat line. Um, And obviously, you know, I hate singling out. My initial was before you said Pat Fields, I was going to take Pat Fields because I just thought he played so well. He made some big plays for Oklahoma. Obviously, that return where Isaiah Coe blocked the kick, and then, you know, but you got, you got Pat Fields. I'm going to take Nick Benito. I just, I love what he's done. I thought Jalen Redmond also played a really good game. He had two tackles for loss, one and a half sack, uh, five tackles. Um, I think Isaiah Thomas also had half a sack. I mean, I believe Isaiah Thomas has like four sacks already this year, if I'm not mistaken, total. I, I think he has it. three. I think he has three sacks because he had one and a half in game one, uh-huh. one in game two, and he had half a sack today. Okay, so I thought he had one and a half both games. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh, offense, look, uh, 100%. I'm going to go with Eric Gray. Um, Eric Gray was – I know – he averaged over um, – I'm getting to it right now. He averaged 5.6 yards a carry, number one. 
he had 84 yards on 15 carries, uh, long of 18. And he only had one reception for two yards. Um, and he only was targeted once, but I just thought that it, it wasn't just his running for me. I thought his blocking, yeah, he missed a, a key block that caused Rattler to have to hurry and, and make a kind of a hasty decision on one of his throws. But outside of that, I thought Gray's overall play, and you can kind of see him as we talked about earlier, he's getting more and more comfortable inside the framework of the offense. And I think that's going to help the growth, not just of the offensive line and Eric Gray, but I think the growth of Rattler when, you know, you can start that play action pass actually works and freezes uh, the defense and the linebackers. I think that's going to be key moving forward for Oklahoma as they get into big 12 play. Uh, and obviously you want that dynamic duo to stay as healthy as they can be throughout the season. I think that is critical, critical, critical for Oklahoma's success moving forward. Um, finally, let's close out this post game podcast with uh, some recruiting talk. How about that? Um, My goodness, if- there were a lot of visitors today. Yeah, yeah, yeah including yeah, yeah. some that we did not know were going to be there. Yeah, it was. I tell uh, you what, I was standing that down there on the field level, and I looked over. I'm like, "Holy crap! Is that Dylan Rayola?" And sure yeah, enough, it was. 2024 four-star quarterback out of Burleson, Texas, Dylan Rayola, who just so happens to be the son of, of a former, former Husker. Husker and Remington Award winner and Outland Trophy winner, uh, Ryla. What's Ryla's first name? I forgot. Dominic. Dominic. Father is Dominic. That's right. And the funny thing is, is I can't remember the name. The, he asked me to pronounce some of the the Tongan and Samoan names. I'm going to just be awful at it, so I'm not even going to try. But there's a 2023 defensive uh, edge rusher out of Honolulu that is very close to the Ryolas. And so they're considered the Rylas are considering Oklahoma and being recruited by Oklahoma. Therefore, Oklahoma has a it's like Tuna Miss. I can't remember how to Cecilia Kana to Cecilia Kana. And that's right. There you go. Um, and Oklahoma is going to get a visit out of them at some point down the road, but they're very close to Rylas, according to the father, Brandon to a to Kana. And, um, the they basically said that um they didn't get to visit them visit Oklahoma last time they were in the states but they plan on doing it uh next time around uh and Oklahoma talks to them quite a bit from what I'm told uh but there was big visitors straight down uh to the commits um we were able to confirm four star Allen offensive lineman NATO Umiozulu and his brother. Um, can't remember his brother's first name off the top of my head. This sucks when that happens, but they were both in town. Uh, specifically, the fact that NATO Umiozulu, the four, 2022 four star offensive lineman, the fact that he was in town is huge because one, he doesn't talk very much to anybody. Number two, you kept hearing a little buzz that he liked Oklahoma. But you were unsure, especially, especially with, you know, 
the Chad Morris situation <laughs> in Texas and the Chandler Morris. So that means things have been a little bit ironed out at least to the point to where, you know, NATO's taking an official visit and things are looking okay there. Um, obviously you got 2022 five-star Booker T. Washington, Tulsa Booker T. Washington, defensive back Gentry Williams in town. You got 2022 four-star offensive lineman uh, out of Ashtoseta, Texas, Cam Dewberry. You got 2022 four-star wide receiver running back, uh, slot guy. He's a commit. Relique Brown, one of the top 50 players in the country. You got 2022 three-star defensive lineman and commit um, Cedric Roberts. You got 2022 defensive back commit out of Broken Arrow, Robert Spears Jennings as well. And then you got 2022 uh, three-star defensive back Zion uh, Bryce as well in town. Um, on his official, you have – then unofficially you had 2023 four-star defensive back Micah Tease out of Brooker T. Washington. He's a younger brother. Miles sees Oklahoma in a great spot for him. Uh, you got his other teammate, 2022 Tulsa Union – or Tulsa Booker T. Washington defensive back Jordan Drew, who's got like Utah State and a couple other offers already. Probably get some more as the season goes on. Parker will have a lot on this visit as well with uh, 2022 four-star tight end. Caden Helms out of Bellevue, Nebraska. Uh, 2022 four-star linebacker commit. Kip Lewis was in town. Um, 2022 three-star linebacker out of Norman North. Duncan Perriam, the second or the third. Is the second Is the second or third? It's the second. Yeah. It's the second. Why wouldn't you just call him junior? I'm done. I'm not even asking that question. I don't know. <laughs> but you get why I asked Dang, that question. Man, okay. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I, cause I kept thinking it was a third the whole time. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. No, Duncan, Duncan, Perry, Duncan Parham, the second, second. Parham, the second. I keep thinking he's the third. I call him the third all the time. Sorry, Duncan. You're a good player, by the way. Uh, very good player. I like watching you play. You're freaking tough. Uh, 2022 wide receiver out of heritage hall, Gavin Freeman. I think Freeman's a legacy. Cause people keep talking about his father, I guess, played at OU. Which would make know. sense because that dude clearly has some athleticism in his genes. No, he's really good. I think he's somebody that I think Oklahoma at the end of the day could go ahead and pull one of those uh, Drake stoops, kind of a preferred walk on, maybe tell him, Hey, come here a year and we'll give you a scholarship type deal. Yeah. Uh, and he can end sure up being him. one of the, yeah, he can end up being one of those slots that, Hey, Oklahoma, by the way, Brandon, Mm-hmm. By the way, 2023 uh, four-star offensive lineman Ethan Thomason. Uh, he was another one that's in town, <clears> there <throat> that was in town for this game. I have him that, on this. Li- I put him on the. That list. is one of the largest human beings I have ever seen. Wow, that dude is massive. I, I he was standing there next to Cam Dewberry and Nadu Amazulu and Jacob Sexton, just towering over these guys. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. He's from Colorado. He's from uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, I believe, off the top of my head. Is that correct? Is that correct? I don't. You can tell me. You can look it up. I'll just. I'll keep going down this list real quick. Fort Collins, Colorado. You nailed it. Bam. Um. Then you got twenty twenty three four star uh, Denton defensive back Peyton Bowens. I can't remember if he's from Denton Ryan or if he's from. That'd be uh, Denton Geyer. Denton Geyer is what I was going to guess, but yeah. 
So Denton Guy, our defensive back, Peyton Bowen. And I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot for 2023. Four start. Dude, we got crickets outside our window, my window right now. That's awesome. And you can probably hear it in the podcast. I apologize. Um, and it stopped. 2023, three-star quarterback, still Wazzle out of Choctaw. Uh, I Look, I'm a big still Wazzle fan. At the end of the day, if I'm Oklahoma, I potentially offer him. If you think you're going to be short on quarterback depth, because I think he could come in and end up playing at some point in his career and being a really good player. I really mean that. Like I've watched that kid play over and over and over. He took, he took Choctaw to the state finals last year as a sophomore, as a sophomore people. Well, to be fair, Choctaw has got plenty of talent on that squad. But I mean, he, he makes that thing go with his arm though. I mean, he's got to distribute the ball to those guys. Um, speaking of talent at Choctaw, the guy below him on our list, 2022 three-star defensive end Deshaun Brown. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have an OU offer yet, but there's a part of me that really believes that's going to happen come November. I really am going to, I really am starting to believe that. And if that's Oklahoma's plan, if they don't land Kenyatta Jackson or, you know, Marvin Jones Jr., that's a pretty good plan. What do you think there, Parker? Well, I think, look, the reality is anytime you can secure in-state talent, emphasis on talent there, because obviously when you're a program of Oklahoma's stature, you can't take anybody that comes from within state lines. But Deshaun Brown is a guy that's capable of playing high-end Power 5 football, and I'm sure you know, in the Sooners' best-laid plans, they land either Kenyatta Jackson or Marvin Jones Jr. However, as we have seen time and time again on the recruiting trail, things don't always play out exactly how we or anyone else imagines. So to have a guy like Deshaun Brown right up the road in Choctaw that you know can play ball and play it well, and to have that contingency plan in place, that's that's an encouragement to be certain because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket on the recruiting trail. And we have seen this bite the Sooners historically with guys like Bryce Foster and Tristan Lee. And mm-hmm. basically if you're not a hundred percent convinced that you're going to get a guy, you want to have some backup plan in place. And yeah, the Sooners are fortunate that that backup plan is only about 20 miles to the North. And he can ball. He's got a bunch of offers and continues to grab offers. He's had a good senior season. And I expect him to continue to have a good senior season. You've got a couple more guys on the list. I'm sure there's more guys that we haven't confirmed yet. And we're going to add to this list on OU Insider. Oh, my goodness gracious. He got out. Um, sorry. Watching the – oh, he didn't. Safety. When Georgia is just starting to take it to South Carolina and Shane Beamer. Uh, but we're going to add more to this list. And we're going to have updates on all these guys on OU Insider throughout the week. Uh, Obviously, the next week has even bigger lists that you all probably won't get to hear on a podcast or anything like that. This is all post-podcast. This is all post-game stuff. These guys have already been here to Oklahoma. Some of these guys have tweeted it out. Some of them haven't, obviously. 
but we've confirmed all this stuff uh, through obviously we, Parker seeing them down there walking around or maybe I checked in with their coach or I checked in with their kid and stuff like that. Like throughout the week, we've got all sorts of content on these guys coming up. We'll have interviews and stuff like that. Plus the next week, West Virginia game is going to be a massive, massive visit week for Oklahoma. And we're going to get into that uh, on OU insider all week long as we cover the recruiting from this past week and through the next week as Oklahoma looks to close out and add additional talent to the 2022 and 2023 classes and maybe even some 2024 stuff. Um, but commit four-star Deer Creek, Edmund Deer Creek offensive lineman Jacob Sexton was there. Um, he's had a really good season to start. Uh, 2023 four-star uh, Garland, Naaman, Forrest, defensive lineman, uh, Marquis Deal was in town. Uh, Oklahoma has been pushing hard for him. Uh, he would be a great addition to the 2023 class for Oklahoma, who is looks to be potentially adding another five star. Something we'll talk about on the Tuesday podcast as we get closer in DeAndre Moore, the five star wide receiver out of Los Alamitos. Uh, 2023 four star Flower Mound Marcus, uh, wide receiver Ashton Cozart was also in town. And then as uh, Parker alluded earlier, 2023 four-star Fort Collins, Colorado offensive lineman, Ethan Thomason was in town. As far as all those guys I named Parker, who do you think is on commit watch potentially? I know who I have in my mind from just from my sources and people I've talked to, but maybe you've heard something I haven't on somebody. I'm just kind of spitballing here that we can talk about. I will, I will throw out three guys, actually okay. four. I'm going to say four guys. I'm going to throw four guys out there. One of them, two of them, obvious. two of them are very obvious. Yeah. Two of Andrew Williams and Micah yeah. tease. Yeah. Okay. Being teammates. I think everybody regards this as a matter of if, or I'm, I'm sorry, as a matter of when, not if they're coming down the line and joining uh, the Sooner squad as members of the 2022 and 2023 recruiting class, respectively. A couple other guys I think Oklahoma could add down the line, maybe not immediately, but down the line. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, Brandon. I might have you confused. Are you talking about the guys that were in town this week or the guys that are going to be in town next week? No, this week. We didn't talk about this week. I'm, okay. I'm not, we're not going to talk about next week until... Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Just wanted to clarify there, but a couple other guys that I will throw out there as players that Oklahoma could add in the not too distant future. I'm going to go with Peyton Bowen. I'm going to go with Ashton Cozart. Both those guys very high on Oklahoma Cozart in particular. And you just get the sense that after seeing that atmosphere at Owen field today, and believe me, like the Sooners performance was not immaculate. The atmosphere was incredible, Brandon. Incredible. 88,000 fans packed like sardines and they were roaring all day long as they should have been for the renewal of a rivalry game like this one. So given the fact that those guys just got to experience what a taste of football in front of a packed house at the palace is like, you kind of begin to get the sense that the Sooners are going to make some progress there if they haven't already. 
Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you. I think here's the thing. I, <clears throat> I'm with you on Jordan or sorry, Gentry and Micah Tease, obviously that's, that's the easy one. Um, I'm going to make some guesses here and this is just guesses. Uh, obviously I think Peyton Bowen is one. Peyton Bowen's been one for a while for Oklahoma from everything that I keep hearing from people. But I think the shocker of all shocks is I think, Either and I'm gonna name either one of these two, either Umiozulu or Cam Dewberry will end up in the Sooners class. Just a gut feeling. And potentially both if Oklahoma has room for them. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, the Allen thing makes sense because so many Allen players have come to Oklahoma and been super successful. You have the Theo Weiss, you've got um uh, Obviously, the Evans brothers before, obviously. Um, Kyler Murray? Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to get to him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lee Morris. Um, it just goes on and on at Allen for Oklahoma, where they've just become kind of a pipeline to the Sooners. If Oklahoma goes down to Allen, there's a pipeline. Now, the, obviously, that was before Chad Morris. That was before Chandler Morris issue with Lincoln Riley happened. If uh, everything has, if feelings have been mended and Morris and Riley are friends again, now you're talking, it could be another deal again, because those two are really close friends for a long time. And that's why Chandler actually ended up at Oklahoma to begin with. So I wouldn't be shocked. Now the, the, the Cam Dewberry deal, we keep hearing this buzz on him, right? That, Oklahoma uh-huh. may lead, blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't know that I buy it. And I've said that on OU Insider, mainly because when I talk to people around him, yeah, Oklahoma's in a great spot. He's filling the Sooners. But there's a gut feeling by everybody around him that he eventually ends up at Texas A&M because he, you know, is really close with his grandparents, grandma, that it's really hard to, you know, separate himself from that and go up out of state, you know, five and a half hours away to play football. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I, I could see Oklahoma pulling a shocker there because it feels like every year they pull one or two shockers and everybody's like, Whoa, you know, like they came out of the blue to pull that guy out. Um, And that may be one of those, but as much as we don't know about Umi Ozulu, we do know that he's an Allen, Texas guy. So I kind of lean towards that as why I think he would be more as one to watch than Dewberry. And I could, could be completely off on both, but we'll see. I just like, I just feel not like, I just feel like Oklahoma has to get a couple more offensive linemen. And those two would be great to close the class out with, to be honest. I don't know. That's just my gut feeling right now. Um, and the, with all the commits in town, there should be some, uh, at least a good chance to get in the guy's ear and, and see what they can do. Uh, I do think Gentry Williams is something that's going to be special to pay attention to over the next few weeks, for sure. That's just a gut feeling there. 
Um, <clears throat> that's going to do it for this podcast, this OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners Post Game Podcast. Um, look, uh, we're going to have some promos coming up here over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, I believe the next one is going to be, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, I think, oh, check that. We are going to be doing one here to end the month of September. It's probably going to be 50 to 60% off. So if it's 50% off, it's going to be $53 for the, for one year. If it's 60% off, it's $42 or 40, sorry, 46 bucks, uh, for the whole year. Um, and that's a great deal. Uh, it's about $107 for a whole year. VIP, you get recruiting, team news, recruiting news. Uh, you get access to media, video, uh, audio, interviews, all kinds of stuff that we don't show publicly on Twitter or any other free forum. Uh, and you get that behind the scenes, insider stuff, uh, news notes, stuff that you can't find anywhere else on injuries, recruiting stuff, insider stuff that sources from all over, from around the around the kid to inside the program, everybody, we got it all for you on OU Insider VIP board, uh, whether it's basketball, football, what have you. I mean, we've got you covered head to toe there 24-7, and you can talk 24-7 with not just Parker, Colin, myself, uh, Joey, but you can talk to uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of other OU fans as we are growing 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 we're at a record membership right now it's been awesome uh, i want to thank you oklahoma fans for doing that you guys have made that possible uh in october we're going to be having um uh a one later in october between the 19th and 21st we're going to be doing one dollar is going to get you two months promo we'll probably have a promo another 50 percent off in between there for about a week and then november we always do our Cyber Monday uh, and the Friday and all that stuff where we do 75% off. Uh, so if you're paying attention, make sure you're paying attention to all the stuff on OU Insider because this thing can get really cool. I mean, it's like $27 gets you a whole year of OU Insider. It's like going out to eat, man. It's really easy. If you don't want to do that, you can do $1 for the first month and $9.95 afterwards. Basically like getting a Starbucks coffee Instead, you're going to get a bunch of OU information. I think you all would love that. You guys are listening to this podcast. You like talking Oklahoma football. You like reading Oklahoma football stuff. Come talk with us. My PMs are always open on the board. I talk to everybody. I try to be about as open as I can possibly be for you all. We take pride in that. Um, but, man, that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, Oklahoma won 23-16. They got West Virginia next week. It could be a potential top 25 matchup on national television after West Virginia beat uh, Virginia Tech. Number 15, Virginia Tech, 27 to 21 today. Parker, do you have anything else? I have nothing else. Like we Rat said poison. last week, I'll continue. <laughs> yeah, well. We've had enough of that for one day. But <laughs> as I said last week, I'll reiterate, it's going to be a special fall to be a member of OU Insider because we are cranking out content like never before, quite literally. This is so, literally, yeah, it's true. Yeah, jump, jump on if you're not already on the bandwagon with us. All right, guys. Well, for Parker Thune, 
My name is Brandon Drum. Once again, Oklahoma wins 23 to 16 over Nebraska in the 50th anniversary of the 1971 classic game of the century rematch renewed rivalry next year we'll be going to lincoln nebraska which will be very cool uh but that's gonna do it thank you all so much for listening to this podcast you guys have a blessed day